0: Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. A very special welcome, perhaps, to anyone who slipped in during the course of Of the worship time. My name is Jason, um, and it's lovely to be able to take you into the next part of this series that we're doing, which we've called um, Parables uh, The Keys to Life. And we're doing this out of our sort of year long series through uh, the Gospel of Mark, um, which we are, are really enjoying being able to look at the life of Jesus and look at Jesus, look at his words, and how he wants to inspire us to live in relationship with him and to live in relationship with God. And so we're going to look briefly at the next parable in the section of parables that we're in. um, And then we're going to apply what we learn from these parables into the context of Pentecost. And in a sense, allow the teaching of these parables to inspire us to respond to God and to respond to the Holy Spirit Um, As I believe he would have us respond to him today on this day when we do celebrate that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to every person who would respond to Jesus by faith. And so that all of God's family now becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place in which the Holy Spirit is able to dwell. And so because the parables, and I think you looked at some of these things with Ryan last week, parables are invitations from God. They are the invitations of Jesus to be able to enter into the life of the kingdom and the the ways of the kingdom of God, that he would, through the parables, reshape and retool our hearts, our inward imagination, and the way that we think about life, and the way that we think about life with God. And so these truths, which are couched in imagery, in order to help to allow them to penetrate, if you like, into our soul, um, so that we can carry them with us. Uh, And as I say, I think you looked at some of these key things around parables that we're not to really overemphasize the details of the parables because they're trying to convey a, a holistic image for us, which contains normally one key point, one main spiritual thought. But then also, it's important to recognize that the immediate context does need to shape for us the way that we understand what that main point is. And that's particularly important for us in the parables that we're going to look at today, because Mark arranges the parables in quite a significant way that's slightly different from some of the other other Gospels. And so uh, what it looks like is that Jesus uses, uh, as you might have noticed that I often will have a bowl of water and Perhaps a sponge or maybe something. And, And you can use that illustration actually to highlight different things. And so we recognize that Jesus is using imagery that's common and yet sometimes has a slightly different application. And so it's the context that enables us to be able to see that. And so uh, the context of the passage we're going to be looking at, and if you have your Bibles with you, you might want to go there ahead of time. It's lovely for you uh, if you do have your own Bible or use one of the Bibles that we have out, but it's great if you've got it with you and you can highlight and and make notes. So we're in Mark chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 21 to 25. And this follows on from the parable of the sower, but then quite importantly for us, follows on from this explanation of why Jesus uses parables at all and why he uses them to both hide and reveal spiritual truth at the same time. So there is something about the parables that is hidden and there's something about it that reveals spiritual truth and we're going to find out why some of that is as we look at this parable uh, today. So let me pray for us that God would, again, just awaken our hearts and spirits to engage with this word that we're going to look at. Thank you, Father. So, Lord, I thank you for your words. We thank you that your words are spirit and life, that they actually communicate to us spirit and life. And so I pray, God, as we read this together and as we expose our minds and our bodies and our hearts and our imaginations to your words, that you would release the spirit of truth into each one of us, that we would be reshaped, retooled, transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, okay, um, just to say i 'm going to read from the amplified version of the Bible. there are different versions and translations of the Bible, and when i 'm preparing, I like to read from a whole selection of them, um, which is helpful in my in my prep and so You might have, if you've got the the church Bibles, that will be the NIV version, uh, at least the older NIV version. And so if it's a little different, that's why. But I thought that this was so helpful. For those of you that perhaps don't have an amplified version of the Bible, it's a great tool to have as it explains uh, in greater detail sometimes some of the concepts which are there that we might at other times miss. And so on the screen, we've got the amplified version. Okay. And it says this, verse 21. Jesus said to them, a lamp is not brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Is it not brought in to be put on the lampstand? Then we have a bit of an explanation of that illustration from Jesus. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it would come to light. That is, things are hidden only temporarily until the appropriate time comes for them to be known. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. Okay, so the context of this parable, as I say, is after this this description of why Jesus uses parables at all, uh, which I think you looked at briefly with Ryan last week. And here we see the lamp is actually referring to Jesus himself. Jesus is the lamp who has come to bring light and truth and the kingdom of God into the world. And as I say, this follows on now from this teaching of why he's using parables, and it answers this question of why is there mystery? Why is there mystery in the parables? And even a bigger question, why is not everything just revealed right now? Have any of you ever wondered that? Why does Jesus just not make it all clear for us right now today? He could you know, do that so easy. He could just come as he will come in the future, now into the present, reveal his glory to all of us. You know, Arrive here at Chilton as everyone is pulling in. Suddenly the clouds open up. You know, He lifts the roof off the church. Down comes a bolt of lightning. Here is Jesus in all of his glory. The angel's Sing, singing. And it doesn't just happen here at Chilton. You know, it happens in Parliament. It's on BBC News. It's sort of right across the globe. Here is the glory of God for everyone to see and nothing is hidden. How many of you wish that that could happen sometimes? How many of you feel frustrated that it doesn't happen at certain times, particularly as you perhaps trying to share your faith with someone that's maybe not seeing things in the same way that we do. Well, Jesus' word is that that day will come. And as Sarah explained, the, the balloon will come down. Okay? Just as Jesus ascended, he will return. He will come on the clouds. And the glory of God will be made known as the kingdom of God finally comes into this world. But when that happens... The opportunity to trust, the opportunity to be able to put faith in God will be over. And so right now we see that it's mystery that is being used to test our hearts, to reveal the kind of heart space that we have. Is it like a path? Is it rocky soil or is it fertile ground, which God can plant his seeds in? And as a result of that, we just move towards him. The expression of our hearts are trust and faith, even when we don't see it all. Because we discover that actually this is the only way to test the quality of our hearts within the context of mystery And so Jesus goes on to say, and and this comes in a sense, this next parable as a warning for us. Verse 24, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. By your own standard of measurement, that is to the extent that you study spiritual truth and apply godly wisdom, it will be measured to you and you will be given even greater ability to respond and more will be given to you besides. For whoever has a teachable heart, to him more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for the truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. And so here is, in a sense, the message of this. We see that God gives us revelation of who he is and how to live with him in seed form. I'm not sure how many of you are perhaps great gardeners and love to grow things from seed. We are going through a gardening revolution in our lives, which has been quite exciting. We are right now growing things from cuttings, and they are growing. Um, it has been quite remarkable to be able to see, you know, you don't just have to buy a plant when it's fully established. You can actually grow it from seed. We've got seeds on the windowsill from kids ministry and the boys have been amazed as they're growing up as seed. But the reality is a seed and a cutting, it's more vulnerable than an established plant. And yet we see the way that God communicates with us is often in seed form to test again the quality of our hearts and how we will respond to what he gives to us. And the promise is if we love the seed, if we hunger for God's truth, if we allow God's word and revelation to penetrate our hearts, and we celebrate what he is saying to us, his teaching and his word, then the seed is able to grow. And as it grows and grows up and matures, it is able to bear fruit and to bring a harvest to the point that what we have now is greater even than what we were given to begin with. The key for us this is key for us in all aspects of our journey of faith and relationship with God. How do we steward the seeds of truth that God gives to us? How do we respond when God speaks to us on a Sunday, when God speaks to us in a quiet time, when God speaks to us in a vision or in a dream or through someone that comes and meets with us or at a connect group meeting or, or as you on the train, on your way, commuting into London or, or, or traveling back from work and you're listening to something and God speaks to you. How do you respond to the seed that he has given to you? And that has particular relevance for us today. As we come to celebrate Pentecost, how do we respond to the revelation that the Holy Spirit has been poured out into the church? do we hunger for more? Do we want to engage? Do we want to apply this to our lives? If we do, we will actually end up with more. How many of you have looked at that and thought that just doesn't sound fair, that the people who've got more get given even more and the people who've got given less, even what they have gets taken away. You know, that sounds like bad parenting. Isn't it? You know, you try that with your kids. Okay, who's got the most chocolates? Right, the one who's got the most, we're going to give even more to them, and the one who's got even less, we're going to take those away. Okay, that's going to go badly, isn't it, for you in your family? So I wanted to try and illustrate uh, what Jesus is trying to communicate. So I, I, I'm going to try. Th- I've never done this before. This is a new trial. Okay, so I'm going to pop these pillows underneath the carpet. That's why the carpet is here. Now I've got a bump. There we go. And you know me and my my enjoyment of golf. Okay. So here is the hole where the aim within golf is to try to get the ball in the hole. It's relatively simple, really. So here we go. So if the hole represents abundant life with God. Sorry that not all of you are perhaps able to see this. And this bump represents where we are right now in our relationship with God. And the ball represents our heart and our disposition towards God. Are we people that lean in when God speaks or are we people that lean away? Are we people that are hesitant and resistant or are we people that are forwards with God and trusting? Okay? So if I put the ball now on this little bump, okay, you'll see that just a little movement away from where we need to be ends up very far away from the Lord. I'm sorry, that's gone underneath your chair. <laughs> can I, can I uh, move you just a little bit? I should have. I oh, thank you, Don. brilliant. I didn't. There we go. And we lose the ball Okay, in that scenario. However, just a little forward movement of our hearts in response to God as we move towards him. Now, it's very unlikely this is going to actually go in the cup, isn't it? But at least it's going to go in the right direction. A little forward movement. Oh, it hit it. There we go. Uh, And we see that the gain with God is actually great. And this is what God is trying to highlight to us. What is the disposition of our hearts? Do we look for God, hunger for God, seek to connect with God and apply what he's giving to us? Is the leaning of our heart forwards? If it is, it's almost that the spirit comes and gives energy to that. And we find that we suddenly have abundantly more than we had to begin with. However, God views a heart that's hard that moves away from Him. So it 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 is such a significant thing to the Lord that our hearts' disposition of our hearts would be skeptical of Him. I'm not saying of of the church or but skeptical of Him. That resistance to Him, God views very seriously. And he says, even what you had, that opportunity that you had can actually be taken away if you don't respond rightly to him. And so how do we respond to the Lord? How do we respond as we come now to Pentecost? Do we lean in or do we lean away? In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says this, I am going to send What my father has promised. Next week is Father's Day, and the fathers get presents. Today we celebrate the present the father has given to us. Okay, so Pentecost. So I am going to send you what my father has promised. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So what is this? This is a throwback to that prophecy of Joel in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 29, if you're taking notes, where Joel says, I will send my spirit in those days, not just on a select few for a particular task at a particular time, but upon my whole family young and old, slave and free, if you respond to Jesus, this gift will be for you. You will prophesy. You will hear from the Lord. You will see visions. You will dream dreams. You will do things that otherwise would have been impossible for you to do because my power will be upon you, says the Lord. Jesus says This again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is in between the time of his resurrection and his ascension. Those 40 days that he had with the disciples as he was teaching them about the kingdom. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Gosh, that must have seemed like a big task. We talked about that a bit at Connect Group and how, you know, sometimes the, the ask can be so big that we just disconnect because we assume that it's impossible. What would it have been like for them to, to hear these, these couple of people that you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're being called to completely change the world, That's what the Spirit's going to enable us to do. They must have been thinking, gosh, well, we had a struggle changing Jerusalem. How are we going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth? And yet this is the power that Jesus says is coming. I'd like to show you a video. Um, It's a clip from the Alpha series on who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And so I think the HTB team have done an amazing job with this, and I hope that this inspires your hearts and just awakens us to something of what it is to connect with God. So if we can push the music, maybe if we can switch the lights off as well, that would be lovely.
1: Thank you. For all that technology has brought us, there's nothing quite like the natural world. It's awe-inspiring, it's breathtaking, it's life-giving. When I was growing up, I didn't hear much about the Holy Spirit. The only time the Holy Spirit was mentioned was in school assembly prayers, which always finished with the same words, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit seemed like an afterthought, at best a kind of vague supernatural force, and at worst something strange or even a bit freaky. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit isn't a vague force, but a person that you can know. He isn't an optional extra either. He's front and central, and he wasn't a recent invention. He was there from the very beginning, and everything, all of this, was made through him. In the beginning, there was God. The earth was empty, formless, dark, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So there was day followed by night. With each new day came new creation, vast oceans, the vaster sky, the earth green and growing. The spirit of God, the creator spirit, brought out of the chaos, the cosmos, out of disorder, order, out of confusion, harmony, out of deformity, beauty. Cosmos, galaxies, the sun, the moon, and every star. Creatures of every shape and size to swim, fly, and roam the land. Then God created man and woman in his image and breathed life into them. And God sent his spirit upon his chosen people to guide them, to give them gifts for a particular time and purpose to fulfill God's work on earth. God sent his spirit upon a man called Bezalel, giving him the gift of creativity and artistic knowledge to craft and shape precious metals and gems into art, into a house for the Lord. The Spirit of God came upon Gideon, a weak and fearful man, so he became a brave warrior who saved God's people. Samson, who was taken prisoner, God sent his Spirit to give him the extraordinary strength to break free from the ropes tied around him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. God filled others with his Spirit for prophecy, to be his mouthpiece, bringing direction and hope to his people. The Spirit came upon Isaiah to bring good news of hope. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Upon Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Through the prophet Joel, we learn who this promise is for and how it will happen. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God's promise was that he would do something new not just for particular people at particular times, for particular tasks, but for everyone, all people, regardless of position, age, gender, ethnicity, and race. Then, with the birth of Jesus, it was like a trumpet sounded, and everyone surrounding the birth of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, John the Baptist, and then Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Full of the Holy Spirit, he began to teach, heal the sick, bring freedom to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted. So often what happens in the Old Testament in a physical way happens in the New Testament in a spiritual way. As Bezalel was given the skill to craft and design the temple, the Holy Spirit always brings new things to our lives new attitudes, new desires, new ways of worship, new songs. Whatever you do in your workplace, the Spirit of God wants to fill you with skill, ability, and creativity. Like Gideon, God uses people who feel weak, inadequate, ill-equipped, As God's Spirit gave Samson physical strength to break free from his bindings, so today the Holy Spirit brings freedom to break the habits, the addictions, the things that keep people spiritually bound. The counselor, the helper, the gift giver, the guide. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts. He takes away our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh. The Holy Spirit who helps us to break free from bad habits also harnesses a desire to love others and to help those in need. The poor, the broken hearted, the captives. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not only about what is felt but also about making a difference in the world. He can use you.
0: so the day of Pentecost came and that person of the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And when they were together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. And we see this first step of the church being able to walk out into what would otherwise have been impossible for them to do. And yet now the Creator Spirit, the Spirit who was there at the very foundation of the world, now comes to live and move and work and be released through us so that the kingdom of God might be made known on the earth. The day of Pentecost is a significant time within the Jewish calendar. There are three pilgrimage festivals for the Jewish people. Passover, where God's people would remember the deliverance of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And you'll remember we did this over Easter, how there would be the lamb that was slain and the blood of the lamb put on the doorposts of the homes so that as the judgment of God came over the nation of Egypt, The angel of death would see the blood on the home and would pass over so that the household did not experience the judgment of God. And it becomes a powerful symbol for us of Jesus who died for us. And as his blood is shed, we escape the judgment of God. And then we see the next festival is the festival of weeks which was celebrated seven weeks after Passover, seven weeks and a day, 50 days after Passover, where we get the term Pentecost. And the festival of weeks was uh, typically the time where the Jewish people would celebrate the giving of the law, that Moses went up the mountain of Sinai received the law from God and came down with the tablets of stone that would now guide God's people in how to live in right relationship with God. Only now for us, we don't remember Moses going up the mountain and coming down with the law. We remember Christ ascending to heaven and sending down the Holy Spirit for us to enable us to live in right relationship with God. That is what they would have all perceived and understood had happened on this day of Pentecost. A new era has come to the church where we live not by an external law, but by an internal power, the grace and goodness of the Holy Spirit at work within us. I I remember... The first time I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit, and I remember many subsequent times that I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I remember experiencing the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the course of this week and this morning as I was coming to church. You see this isn't about an event anymore. this is about life in connection with God who wants to come and fill us. That's why the Apostle Paul says to go on being filled with that same person who created the world out of the word wants to create a new heart in each of us. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.